Great. What an amazing time of worship, eh? You know, worship is all about Jesus Christ. And when we sing of songs about Jesus, doesn't it just lift your eyes up above all the stuff you're going through? And that's what God intends uh, for us to do. And over the last few weeks, and you can go online, we've been starting a bit of a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And it started off... um, Just before uh, last year, when I was praying about this year, obviously New Year's Day, we kicked it off. um, But when I was praying about um, what God wanted me to speak on in the first few weeks of the new year, in a sense, a new beginning every year for the life of the church, I felt Him take me to this scripture in Matthew 7, and I think it's uh, 20, yeah. It's talking about... um, by being aware of wolves and sheep's clothing and all of that kind of stuff. But not, I wasn't focused on that. The, the verse that jumped out to me was Matthew 7.20. By, um, by their fruit, you will know them. And I felt God say, what does Oceanside want to be known for over this year? And obviously that took us to the fruit of the Spirit. And I'd love you to go if you have time to listen to those, because there is a building on what we've said before. And last week, we had a look, a more of an in-depth look of the contrast between the acts of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, the directly opposite of that. And I just want to read that passage, because this is a key passage, and and I asked you last week, and I ask you again, is to go and meditate on this passage because um, God wants to speak to us. God wants to, us to be people that live by the Spirit and represent Him well. And Paul writes this from verse 13 to 25. You, my brothers and sisters, are called to be free. We know he's been talking about grace and legalism in the rest of the, uh, in the early part of this book and circumcision and the way that um, Judaizers had come into the church and were trying to put all kinds of laws uh, that had nothing to do with the gospel. And he says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. But he says at the end, nearing the end of this letter, you brothers and sisters are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in the keeping of this command. Love your neighbors as yourself. This is an amazing little passage. And we've seen it in churches all too many times. And I pray that God that we will get over this stuff and be able to walk in unity and love and forgiveness. But he says, if you bite and devour each other, how do we do that? With our mouths. Watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, the answer to all of this is to walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. I love the old NRV, this one. says they are at war. There's a war. C.S. Lewis said this, that God is into division. That always quietens the church. He says he separates light from dark, and never the two 
will meet. And you see, the, the, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, at war with each other, so that we do not do what we want to do. How many of you fall in that? We all do. We all do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. What Paul is saying is there's a greater law. It's the law of love. When Jesus was asked by the Pharisee, and he goes into the story of the good Samaritan, the, the question they asked is, what is the greatest command? And he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And in that, you fulfill the law of the prophets. You see, the greater law, the greater law of love is this. Because I love God, because I love Jesus, I want to serve and obey him. Not I have to, like under the law, but it's a law of relationship, a first love. And that's why when we fall out of love with Jesus, these things, get the fruit of the Spirit wane more and more in our lives. So we're not under the law. And the acts of the flesh are obvious. These are the things that we need to be careful about. It says immorality, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. And now we can all say, yeah, I'm not maybe doing those. But there are other, other um, acts of the flesh. Not they're not fruit, they're acts. We act them out. And this is what it says. It's also hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, ambition which actually leads to dissension and faction. Those are things that will destroy. Those are the things that cause us to bite one another and destroy each other. There's more. Envy, drunkenness, orgy and the likes. And, I, uh, and the like. And often when we read that, we focus on the, the orgies and the sexual immorality and say, well, maybe I'm not doing that. But are we eating? Are we doing the, the other things? And he says this, as I did as I, I, as I warned you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We spoke about this last week and the week before, and we unpacked these fruit. Gentleness, self-control, and against things, these things there's no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envy one another. We see Paul who wrote this in writing to the prison epistles to the churches of, uh, in Colossae and Philipp, uh, Philippi and Ephesus. He's writing a letter to them. As a prisoner of the Lord, he's in jail, and he doesn't really know whether he'll see them again. And he sends these letters. And one of the themes of all three of these letters is to live a life worthy of the Lord. To live a life worthy of the Lord. And I want to speak about that today. How do we represent God? And there's a direct 
correlation between living a life worthy and the amount of the fruit of the Spirit that manifests in our lives. They go hand in hand. You see, the enemy wants us to flesh out our spiritual walk. So he wants us to try and live this life outside of walking in the Holy Spirit and in step with the Spirit. And outside of living by the Spirit, we cannot because the transformation that God does for us is not from the outside in, but from the inside out. It's an inside out transformation that comes over time. And Paul says uh, in Corinthians that we are being transformed into his likeness with every with increasing glory. And it's a daily transformation. And that transformation takes place and is directly correlated to the amount of time we spend with God, we spend with the Holy Spirit, and we allow Him to transform us. So if this is our only expression of church on a weekly basis, it's very difficult not to act out the, the acts of the flesh. But the more we spend time with Jesus on a daily basis in church, we've got to get back to that. This is, the, this is not the game. This is the huddle. The game is played out there. This is where we come together when we've been beat up by the world, when, when um, like the Canucks seem to be happening to all too often. And they're going to the change room, and they come together and say, guys, we can do this. We enc- they encourage each other. And so this is what this is about, to spur you on. Hebrews 10 said, so let us not neglect the gathering of the saints, but let us spur one another along with love and good deeds. In other words, with the fruit of the Spirit. And you see, we read this, and I'll read these three, where Paul speaks of this, to these three amazing churches. And you'll see the cor- correlation, even in this, as we read it, to the fruit and living a life worthy. He says this in Colossians 1, 9 to 10, and, and please read the whole context. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. How many of us want to do that? Thank you. One person... Now I know you all do. Bearing fruit, here we are, how we do it, by bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. In Philippians, Paul writes, whatever happens, remember he's just said, I don't know whether I'm going to see you again. I don't know whether I'm going to live or die. He's just finished that a few few, um, verses before that and go and read it. He says, but whatever happens, he says, In fact, he's saying, whatever happens to me, whether I live or die, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the Spirit, striving together as one flesh, as one uh, for, sorry, as one for the faith in the gospel. In Ephesians 4, One, two, three, he writes this. As a prisoner of the Lord, I then urge you to live a life calling of uh, worthy of the calling you have received. So he's talked about worthy of the Lord, worthy of the gospel, 
and worthy of the calling. And he says, this is how you do it. And he mentions three or four or five of the fruit of the Spirit. He says, this is how you do it. By being completely humble, being gentle, being patient, bearing with one another in love. Then he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And church, when we live by the fruit of the Spirit, we live by the Spirit, the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, we begin to live a life worthy of the Lord, worthy of the gospel, and worthy of the calling. You see, when we do that, and it only comes from time with Him, how, do you, how many of you know that you can buy a fruit tree at the nursery and sometimes you're lucky and you get one that's already got fruit in it? Well, that's easy. Dig a hole, get fruit. How many of you know if that tree is not watered, if that tree is not fed, in a few days that fruit's going to be dead? It shrivels up and dies. And that's like us. When we are not feeding the fruit, we are not spending time with God. It's intimacy. So what really God is saying this year, I want intimacy with my people. I want them to know me. I want them to grow in me. I want them to produce lasting fruit. And living a life worthy, if I was going to put it in a definition to me, would simply be living with integrity. Integrity. That our word is our bond. That we say that what we're going to do. And that we display the fruit of the Spirit. We see Jesus picks up on this too in John 15 and we're going to go over and, this, over and over this in many different ways. And this scriptures come through in, every, in the last three weeks. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in me. We cannot manufacture the fruit of the Spirit. We must remain in Him, connected to the vine. We must be nurturing our spirit. We must be feeding our spirit. We must be watering our spirit. Thank you, Shannon. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Then he says, if you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. How, many, how much are we trying to do in the church and in our lives, in the flesh, apart from Jesus? If you remain in me, you are like a branch. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. 
Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's amazing scripture. We're asking for a lot. But when he remains in us and we're in him, we're asking for what his heart desires. Our hearts are, it's not about me. It's not all about me, but it's God. Fill me with your presence, your spirit. Lord God, that person needs healing, deliverance. Lord God, we're going to pray for them. We're going to trust you. And we start praying God's prayers. Not, they not make us the center of our world. You see, church, we know that we are not saved by good works and good behavior. How many of you know that? Or being, by being a good person. We simply cannot feed enough people or give enough money or earn our way into heaven. No matter what we do in the flesh, we cannot earn our free gift of salvation. And God, when he gives us a gift, he doesn't send an invoice. It's a free gift. Ephesians tells us this. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, it is by, by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, church, it's the gospel plus nothing, Minus nothing. It's the gospel that has the power to save. And Paul writes this in Romans 16, 17, and this is the whole, the key scripture in the book of Romans. If you want to understand Romans, you need to understand this passage. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and then the Gentile. The gospel is inclusive. People will say that Christianity is exclusive because Jesus in John 14, 6 said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. But that's a ridiculous statement. If there was a fire in this building and that's the, that's the door and Jesus was the door, we could choose to stay in the fire and cook ourselves, or we could go through the door. We could sit and say, well, there's only one door, so that's too exclusive. I'm not going through that door. Salvation is for everyone, but there's only one way and one name by which we can be saved. That's the story of Christianity. It is to everyone who believes, first the Jew and then the Gentile. For the, in the gospel... A righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith, by believing, from the first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith, and that's the book of Romans. From there onwards, he uh, expands on that. But there's a concern for me, and this is just because we are saved by grace and not by works, many Christians see the gospel 
and salvation as the destination and not the entry point. In other words, I'm saved now. I can live like I like. I can do what I like. And I don't have to obey God. That's not true. God has a clear expectation. And we saw that in the vine and the branches. Some are pruned and some are cut off. And I'm not to bring fear of God upon you, but these are urgent times, and this is the Word of God. And I can't zhuzh it up to make it more edible. And zhuzh is a word my friend Chris Vinant invented. Zhuzhi. I can't do that. We can't do that. You see, God has a clear expectation that we grow and mature in our faith that we represent him well, and that we do the good works that he prepared in advance for us to do so that through those people can get saved. You see, the way we conduct our lives, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we treat those around us is a good indication of where our relationship with Jesus is. Please come back tonight. (laughs) It's a good indication. In 1 Timothy 4, 12 to 16, Paul is instructing his son in the faith, Trinity, uh, uh, Timothy, on on godly living. And he says this to Timothy, who was a young man, some say he was about 19, and he was put to oversee this incredible church in Ephesus. He's a pretty nervous, timid guy, and you can read that, and he's encouraging Timothy. But this passage to Timothy's true son is for all of us. Young people. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. All of us set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, Timothy, and Oceanside, until Jesus comes back to Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. Do not neglect the gift which you are given through the prophecy when the body of elders lays their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. So what our life speak And what we speak from our mouth is very important. Jesus speaks much about false Christs, much about false doctrine. Paul speaks about it. And so we need to be astute guardians of the word of God. And we need to watch it because the Bible is the plumb line. The Bible is the plumb line of, and when we remove the plumb line of the word of God, What is the plumb line? Look at the world. What is the plumb line now? Where does it stop? Some person in the United States has put a thing in 
to saying that he's been discriminated against because he can't marry his dog. Well, what is the plumb line? If it's not the word of God, what is the plumb line? And he says we to watch our life and doctrine closely for this simple reason, so that you, you, so that you will save both yourself and your hearers. This has eternal consequences. This is about the salvation of others. They're watching our life. They're watching what we believe. They're watching whether we are true to what we have believed. They're watching to make sure that we won't change for the times, even if it means persecution. I get a thing on the persecuted church. I tell you, it is scary, scary, scary. Last year, 90,000 Christians were martyred for their faith. Scary stuff. And God has graced us in a place where we can live like this. But he wants to get us to a place where we will not deny the Lord Jesus Christ. That we will speak the truth, we will speak it in love, and we will try and represent him to the best of our ability. But we cannot do that outside of the Holy Spirit in us. We cannot do that unless we are connected to the vine because apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. But in him, Paul says in Philippians 4, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We can do it, but not on our own. You see, what God expects is pretty simple. And it is that we represent him and his word well. Because the way we represent him will have a profound impact on those around us, either for their good or for their arm for all eternity. You see, Jesus is not an add-on to our life where we're bored and we need something new. I'll try Jesus. I'm bored with my car. I'll try a new car. No, Jesus is a radical transformation. Jesus is one who wants us to be born again, born of the Spirit. He, he is everything. We are new creations in Christ. We don't add Him on when we feel like it. We come to Him. We die to the flesh. We accept Him as our Lord and Savior, and He sets us free. And I tell you what, do you think you're living a good side out of Jesus? You think you're living a good side in life in a lukewarm place? I have news for you. Go start living for God, being passionate for God, and see what your life is about, because it's not about outward trappings, it's about inward transformation. You can party like a rock star and have all this stuff, but you put your head on the bed and try, rest in peace, unless we get to a place where our conscience is seared. But when the peace of God is in us, it's a transcendent peace. It's the peace of God, Philippians 4, 3, that transcends our natural understanding. It's the peace of God that allows people and with a with sword at their neck not to deny Christ. How do you do that? How do we do that outside of Christ? It's impossible. And I'm not... Haven't got a persecution complex, but I do know. When I see that and I read this, I say, God, 
What do they have that I don't have? That I'm so easily offended. That I, to stick the course or to serve you, lay down my life. What is it, God? He says, you are not fully connected to the vine. And that's what he wants. You see, when we make an effort to live our lives out in a Christ-honoring way, when we represent his heart through our words and deeds, and when we love and serve people unconditionally, when we honor people who have never experienced honor, honor your leaders and we do that. Well, God says, you know what, you're going to get your reward here if it's all about you. But when we honor people that don't know honor on the streets, prostitutes, drug addicts, alcoholics, prisoners. When we honor them above ourselves, it has a huge impact. Because you know what? They're not used to it and it goes against the grain of a self-centered life. They're not used to it. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this for me? I don't deserve it. You see, honor one another above yourselves. You see, true love, joy, peace, patience, and the fruit of the, liver, uh, of the humility and goodness shocks people. It's shocking. Even in the church, it shocks people. Because we're not used to acting against our own best interests in the interest of others. But that's what Jesus did for us. He laid down his life for you and I. Jesus made himself nothing so that we could be something. So that we could be co-heirs with him. Seated in Christ. And Paul writes about this as imitating Christ's hum humility. And he writes this. He says, therefore, Philippians 3, 1 to 9, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, if you have any of that, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and mind, or one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others and value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I'm going to stop there, and it goes and uses the example of Jesus Christ, who says he made himself nothing, taking on the nature of a servant, God, and became came in human likeness. And he humbled himself and was obedient even unto death on a cross. And because he did that, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name. Church, 
We don't need to exalt ourselves. That comes easy in the flesh. We need to humble ourselves. And we do that by spending presence with Jesus. You see, when we live like this, as willing servants, willing to serve and honor, no matter what people, no matter what their status, when we love Jesus with all our hearts and all our soul and all our strength and share our love with others, miracles begin to happen. People begin to experience the love of God, to experience love in their life, sometimes for the first time. I used to run a Bible study in the Brandon Lake um, Correction Center many, many years ago on a Wednesday night. It was the highlight of my week going there. And they'd give me a room and um, they'd tell the guys that I'm going to be there. And a lot of guys would tell me that they're just coming because it looks on their, good on their parole form. Oh, I go to a Bible study, you know. But I didn't care. I started to get to know these guys. Some of them were shorter term than others. And I asked them their stories. Some of their stories. I remember this one guy. Sexually abused by his dad. Ran away at 12. Never, ever lived in a house again. Under bridges and all of that. telling me, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, how are you even still alive? What would I be like? And a lot of them, I tell you this, and I kid you not, when they get out of that place, and they try and find work, and love, and acceptance, they don't. So they commit crime again, often them, so that they don't have to sleep on the streets. It gave me a whole different view of these guys. The sad thing is, God kept this little bubble for quite a while. And then somebody complained because I wasn't multi-faith. So we could no longer hold a Bible study there. But it opened my eyes. We don't know what people have walked through. And we think, well, they committed that crime, they should do the time. Sure, God has consequences. But God loves them. And when you love them back, miracles happen. The one time we were having an argument in there, well, I, they were arguing with me <laughs> all the time. Some of them didn't want to be there, obviously. And the question was asked, who created God? Some dude. The chicken or the egg, what came first? And this actually got really heated because there were so many different views and all of us going backwards. I'm saying, God, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with this? You know? Starting to shout and I'm locked in the place with them. <laughs> and I started praying. And I felt in my spirit, say, guys, 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 let's just stop this now because this argument's going nowhere. 
I'm going to ask God to reveal himself to you, his love for you. I want you to close your eyes. And I just said, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll give these guys a revelation of Father love. I'm telling you, the presence came down like like a thick presence in that room, quite as you can ever get it. God just came in that room, and I looked up, and there some of these guys were starting to cry. Some of them actually got up. It was too much and just walked out. Not a noise. That whole jail, because they screamed, they shouted at each other from cell to cell, they tell you. Converse a lot of the time. Or at each other in the cell. I don't know. But for that moment, it was like, I don't know how long um, we were there, but I said to these guys, you will never, ever be able to deny that God loves you after tonight, no matter where you are. You see, God loves all people. And when we honor and respect them, miracles happen. In Matthew 25, Matthew 24 has just been reading about um, Matthew 24, the signs of the time. Church, we have so much as a community. I'm praying, not that we have programs started, but God turns our hearts. That we feel led by the Spirit to go to the old age homes and ask, can we help? That we feel led by the Spirit to go to the hospitals. Led by the Spirit to the streets. Remember, Jesus sent them two by two because there's a reason for that. There's an accountability. Don't go into bad places on your own. Because the enemy wants to take you out. So there's a practical thing. But he sent them out. You see, we've got a, in this church, if everybody came, we've just got under 500 people. And I know people are busy in shifts and we have a congregation, I suppose, over the, the month. That would be the story. But imagine, 500 lights. They need to be taken out of the, under the bed and put on a lampstand. Stand. So Jesus speaks about the sheep and the goats here, and I'm not going to speak about the goats for time. But go and read it. He says this, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, He will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. And I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we feed you? 
When were you thirsty and we gave something to you to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? And the king replied, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. He loves them, church. You know, a good person is harder to get saved, so-called good person, self-righteous person, than a prostitute. They know they need salvation. The thing that often stops them is that they, they can't believe that God would love them. And Matthew tells us this earlier on. Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth, but if a salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out. You are the light of the world. A city and a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a lampstand, and it gives life to every, light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your life so shine before men. How? That they might see your good deeds and praise the Father in heaven. And I, as I was thinking of this, I was thinking of that song. It just came to me and it's true colors the lyrics and I see your true colors shining through I see your true colors and that's why I love you so don't be afraid to let them show your true colors True colors are beautiful, like a rainbow. Church, let our light shine. Can the worship team please come forward? But while they do that, please don't be too distracted. And I want to tell you where we make the mistakes. I want to tell you where we make these mistakes. Just wait for these guys to. We hear a sermon like this, and every one of us, every single one of us, will be emotionally drawn to it. And we say, I'm going to change. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I tell you what. We don't. Do you know why? Because we can't. So the key to moving out there and doing what Jesus said is spending time with Jesus. Because when we do that, his heart will flow through us. The true colors will start shining through. And we get this run out. I'm going to do this. And I, I go there and after a week, I've had it. I'm going, oh, my 
can't do this anymore. I'm so bad. I obviously don't love God. I only love people. And we give up. But if we do it the other way around, allow the Spirit of God to soften our hearts again. Come to our Father. Lord, give me your heart. I give you mine. It starts one little drop at a time. One little drop at a time. One little drop at a time. And all of a sudden, it flows naturally, supernaturally, supernatural living. Not changing our voice, not getting a big Bible and bashing people over the head and speaking in King James language when we prophesy. Supernaturally living out the gospel, which means naturally supernatural. Jesus was the most natural person. He hung out with prostitutes, sinners, and all of that. Yet he healed the sick. He cast out demons. He got people saying, and he wasn't floating around the air like this, bitty, 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 bitty. No, I'm the big guru here. Supernaturally natural Christians. Burning with the love of Christ that comes inside out. So I'm asking you, guys, if you're not seeking God on a daily basis. Start tomorrow with 10 minutes. Just give Him your day. Let that grow. Put some worship on. We're just going to do that now and we're going to focus on Jesus because this is all it's about. So Holy Spirit, I, I pray you begin to rain down upon us afresh. Where we've grown weary of doing good, and that's because we try in our own strength. We give all of this stuff to you. We can't do this outside of you, Jesus. And before we do, Lord, we want a fresh revelation of Father love for us. That you are pleased with us. That you're simply spurring us on. You're not angry. And Lord, that we will lift our eyes above our circumstances. I know the circumstances somewhere in here, and they are life-threatening and dire. And they are real. But help us lift our eyes. To fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus to take off the things that are so easily entangling us. It's Hebrews 12. And the sin that so easily entangles and the weights that we carry. It's like running a marathon with a ton backpack on our back. It's impossible. Take it off. Give it to Him today. Fix your eyes on Jesus, not on yourself. And allow Him to begin the transformation process afresh. Allow Him to, to inspire you and instill that first love. Lord, we want to see the city change by the power of Your Spirit. And you're the above, name above every name. 
worship the Lord of Sway.